Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, I'm going to just make an announcement right now. Change the lineup next Sunday. Um, my buddy Ellis is actually going to be preaching on how to respond <laughs> to being redeemed by a Savior. So if you didn't hear that, be here next week because I think Ryan is just going to give him the mic. So Ryan's like, yep, I'm good with that. <laughs> no, um, seriously, Merry Christmas. What a wonderful time of year, right? It, it is. I know I, I don't want to sound, you know, cliche, but it is my favorite time of the year. And it's just grown in that more and more the older I get and the more I see of my grandkids and my kids and just friends and, and family. Um, it's a real, excuse me, it's a real benefit and a real blessing all around. Um, real quick, what are some of the traditions your family does for this Christmas season? Just throw them out there. What are, what are some of the things you guys do to help celebrate and things that matter to you? What was that? Eat. That's good. That's good. What else? Oh, come on. You got to have something. Decorate the tree. Very cool. Very cool. Anybody else? Hamptons, I know what you guys do. You go and cut down the Christmas tree, right? Whether it's raining or not, you're going to be out there. What did you say, Ryan? Swedish food. Swedish food. Potato bologna. Can't say I've ever had that. Yeah. Wow, very cool. So, um, you know, growing up we had traditions, but it's it's been a real blessing over the last few years, many years, to start, you know, Amy and I, we established our own traditions. And then as we became empty nesters, those traditions had to adapt, right? They had to change a little bit, but it's been really cool. The last, oh gosh, probably six or seven years now, um, we've had a tradition of just her and I going out to do something fun to kind of celebrate the holiday season, the two of us. So for many years, we went to the 94th Aero Squadron with the Datomas for a little big band Christmas music, which was amazing. Uh, the food, which was superb, and the dancing, which was eh. Um, but it was a ton of fun, right? Not, not you, me, not definitely me, definitely me. Um, yeah, my partner was amazing, uh, but I, me, not so much. Uh, the last couple of years, we've actually gone to enjoy some Christmas concerts. So last year, we once saw Trans-Siberian Orchestra, TSO, let's call it that. Um, wow, wow, just an incredible show. This year, we went and saw Pentatonics, right? The God-given talent those individuals have is truly amazing. Just amazing. I mean, chills, like, to hear all these songs. But, you know, through that, though, there was, there was two things in particular um, that kind of stood out to me. One was the fact that here we are singing these glorious songs. I mean, even Amazing Grace we sang. And I'm going to say we because I was singing along. Nobody gave me a mic, but I was singing along. Um, about the Christ child, right? Yet, in the same venue at the same time, celebrating basically sin-led lifestyles. You know, things clearly outside of God's word. And I'm like, how do we get there? How does that happen? How does our world become such a place where at the same stage we can be singing songs about a creator and yet celebrate things that are clearly outside his word. And I'm not saying that because, you know, there's sinners up there singing because we're all sinners, right? But are we praising God or are we praising ourselves? Is it self-worship? 
And it, it was a little disappointing in that way. But I tried to remember the meaning of these words, the meaning of these songs that are traditional, have been around you know, for many, many years and still mean a lot when you understand what you're singing. The other thing, and now this is much more uh, minor, but to me it was important. Um, does anybody think Christmas should have kind of a, a color code? You know, you're red, you're white, you're green, you're gold. I mean, look around, right? We got it going on here. Great job. Awesome job. Um, you know, for this entire concert, not one of those colors was present. Maybe white, but nothing else. It was all these pastels. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. But for me as a traditionalist, one that thinks those things matter, it was a little disappointing, to be honest, you know. It was still a wonderful night with my family and in, or with my wife um, and just a great time. And really, for us, it was just an opportunity to kick off uh, this very important uh, time in our year where we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Um, such a very, very cool experience. Um, so today we're going to pick up, we're halfway through our Advent season, which is very, very cool. Um, two weeks ago, Eric preached on how our sins are like a crimson stain. The fact that we are born with a sin nature, one that we cannot escape. Last week, Paul preached on God with us, the, the true incarnation of Christ as a child. So today, we're going to spend some time in the Word working to understand better what it means to be redeemed, how that redemption is played out through the birth of Christ. So before we get started, if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads with me, and uh, we'll start this off right. Heavenly Father, we live in a crazy, broken world. All too often, we get caught up in the busyness, the frustrations, the distractions of the holiday season forgetting exactly what happened on that night in Bethlehem when our Redeemer was born. Father, I ask that you work in our hearts for the remainder of our time together this morning, reminding us of the love you have for us and spurring us on to pursue you in every way while remembering all that you have done for us so we may have a hope in you. Father, I also ask that you guide my words, the words of a broken man, who would be truly lost without you. I ask that my words be your words, that my thoughts be your thoughts, and that I can share what is in my heart in an effective, meaningful way with your church today. I love you and appreciate all that you have done to demonstrate your love for us all. In your son's beautiful name I pray, amen. All right. Now, anybody that has been around me for any length of time knows that I, I have a little bit of a pet peeve, and that is how we use the English language. You'll often hear me say words matter, because they do, right? How we use them, where we use them. Have you ever noticed that some words, they're spelled exactly the same way, but have entirely different meanings based on the context in which they are used? I think of the word break. You can break a bone or you can take a break from work, right? Think of bark. You can have tree bark or you can hear a dog bark. Now there's a word for these type of words, hononyms. 
These words are spelled the same way, but when used in different contexts, they have very different meanings. And today we're going to discuss a homonym. The word is redeem. Now think about it. Think how that word can be used. Maybe you've used it recently when redeeming a gift card or a coupon, right? Very common way to use it today. Maybe when you talk about something that makes up for an event or situation that was below expectations. For example, I may be attempting to redeem myself when I sweep the kitchen floor or empty the dishwasher for something that maybe I let my wife down about, right? Coach Day may try to redeem himself by actually winning a bowl game this year, right? In many ways, when we use the word, we use it, in my mind, in its lesser context, in a way that doesn't fully capture the full possibility of the word. However, when it's used in relation to God and his redemptive love for us, I don't think that word could get any more powerful. Now, the process of redemption, of being redeemed, is throughout the Bible. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, God repeatedly shows us how he has demonstrated his love by redeeming a broken, undeserving people. Thankfully, God's word shows us time and again exactly what redemption looks like. Let me give you an example. When God was speaking to Moses as he prepared to go to Egypt to free the Israelites, God instructed Moses on what to say to those who were in bondage. In Exodus chapter 6, God said, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Then in Isaiah chapter 43, the prophet paints another picture of the Lord redeeming his people. In verse 1 he says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Now, the reality is we are not the Israelites, right? We are not in slavery per se, yet we need redemption even more than those who live their daily lives in physical bondage in Egypt. The reality is we are in bondage, bondage to sin. We have a sin nature from the moment we are born. There is no escaping it. You know, when I think about that, there is a picture in my mind that comes uh, forward and it's that of my grandkids. Any young child, right? What's one of the first words they learn? No. And it's not, no thank you, right? It's when they don't want to do something. They'll say it with an exclamation point. No. Sometimes they'll even go, no, right? At least my grandkids do sometimes. The hard part is not laughing, Right? Parents don't exactly appreciate that, but that's the truth. The thing is, though, as we mature, our sins can grow as well. And it's not in a good way, nor is it a laughing matter. Oftentimes, our sin can cause pain, chaos, and at times, destruction. Then when you think about the world, you know, that question comes up. Is it worse today 
than it was ever before? I don't know about that. There's some pretty bad stuff going on in the Old Testament, right? At the very least, though, the knowledge of sin is growing, whether it's through the internet, our phones, TV, entertainment of every kind. It surrounds us wherever we go. There's no escaping it. It's even celebrated and encouraged. Now, the Apostle Paul explained our condition very well when he explained in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, with that being the case, what hope do we have? For we are truly stained like crimson, as Eric spoke to us about two weeks ago. We must be redeemed if we have any chance of a true relationship with God and a hope that exceeds everything in this broken world. But it goes beyond us being broken. The fact is, we are unable to fix or repair our brokenness. We can never work hard enough, be good enough, let alone be perfect enough to allow ourselves to be in the presence of a truly holy God. The psalmist said it beautifully when he wrote in Psalm 49, beginning in verse 7, Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. That he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever. Their dwelling places to all generations though they called the lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. We can't redeem ourselves. No act of service or charity to others will ever be enough, and we can never be good enough. So that leaves the question, where does that leave us? We who are stained like crimson, no ability to save ourselves, no earthly way for redemption. We require a perfect heavenly redeemer, and this is exactly what the birth of Christ is all about. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, so let's begin by digging into what a redeemer truly is. It goes back to the concept of a kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament, best told through the story of Ruth. The role of a kinsman redeemer was established in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And it consisted of a male relation or family member, could be extended family, who had the responsibility of protecting or providing for another relative who was in need of saving. The relative was in a vulnerable position and needed someone to step in to remedy or repair their situation. Now, the Hebrew term for kinsman redeemer Goel, means one who delivers or rescues. Now, the story of Ruth, she was a widow who had no husband or son to protect or provide for her. Ruth also had lost her father-in-law, the husband of Naomi. In those days, to be without a male provider and protector would leave a woman destitute at best. But then came Boaz. He was a relative of Naomi who, through a series of divine circumstances, quickly realizes that he is the answer to their situation and willingly takes Ruth as his wife. 
By doing this at a personal cost to himself, both Ruth and Naomi are redeemed from their circumstances. Now what's really exciting about this whole story is the lineage that this creates through their marriage. For Boaz and Ruth are the great-grandparents of King David, who is the forefather of Mary, the mother of Jesus. It was all part of God's plan from the very beginning. Now, just like Ruth, we too are in need of a kinsman redeemer, a relative who can step in and rescue us from our sin nature circumstances. It is Jesus who fills this role as he is our brother and is in the position to be able to make us his bride. For the bride of Christ is the church. In this way, we too are redeemed and removed from our desperate situation when we choose to follow him. Our situation also involves a series of divine circumstances just like Boaz. Think about the birth of Christ, the circumstances that were foretold more than 700 years before they occurred. Let's start in Isaiah chapter 7. It said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Further on in chapter 9, He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Then in Micah chapter 5, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Now think about this baby. Think about what it is like to hold a precious newborn child. Soft, vulnerable, requiring its every need to be provided. This is how God chose to send his son. Now think about it. Were Adam and Eve born? No. God could have chosen to have Jesus just come out of the wilderness a fully grown man at the age of 30, ready to begin his ministry, preaching the word of God. But he didn't do that. No, he chose to bring him into the world in the same way that you and I came into this world. God placed Jesus in a position where he would know exactly what it is like to be a child, then a teenager. And he did not place him in a family of power or influence or privilege and wealth but that of a carpenter. A family that was ridiculed for the manner in how Jesus was conceived to an unwed young Jewish woman. A reputation that would follow Jesus, and I'm sure Mary, into his adult years. A family who could only find a manger for shelter at the time of his birth. But this is the way our amazing Heavenly Father works, right? Now think about this baby. Think about Mary holding that baby, not fully understanding what his future held, but God did. For this baby would someday turn water into wine. This baby would hide 
heal a blind man and cure a sick son. He would also cure a mother-in-law of a fever and a leper of his disease. This baby would raise a son from the dead and his dear friend Lazarus from the grave. This baby would someday calm a storm and walk across the water. He would heal the blind and loosen the tongue of a man who couldn't speak. This baby would someday orchestrate one of the greatest fishing halls the disciples had ever seen, yet choose to feed 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves. But also, this baby would someday be falsely accused. He would be beaten till the skin on his back was all but gone and have a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He would be nailed to a wooden cross, raised between two criminals, and have a spear thrust into his side to prove that he was indeed dead, all to be buried in a borrowed grave. But it is also this baby who would rise again, defeating death itself, who walked amongst his disciples for 40 days, demonstrating that he was indeed alive before returning to his rightful place next to his Father in heaven. That is the life that this baby was born for. For this baby was born to be our Redeemer. Jesus himself said it this way in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now let me ask you this. How much love does it take to be willing to send your son into this broken world fully knowing what is in store for him? To have him leave his kingdom in heaven? To take on the form of an innocent, vulnerable baby only to be ridiculed, beaten, and to die so that we may have our own kinsman redeemer? Let me ask you on the part of Jesus, how much love does it take to be willing to come into this world to know exactly how the story would unfold at the end of your earthly life? To pray to your Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What kind of love is shown on a cold night in Jerusalem, a night when fires were required for Peter to stay warm, where Jesus was so distraught with what was about to happen to him that he sweated blood from his pores. Yet when they came to arrest him, he went without a fight. This perfect child who someday would become a man, all while being fully God, would be the only perfect sacrifice that could redeem us from our sinful nature, all so that we could be in perfect relationship with a holy God. You see, there is no other way. This is the story of God's love for us, a story that we can all too often forget or downplay in this hectic life in which we live, even during the midst of this Christmas season. 
Now, the Apostle Paul spelled it out this way when he wrote about what it means for us to be a child of God. In Galatians chapter 4, he said, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is what redemption looks like. So now let me ask you this. Doesn't this love deserve our recognition? Doesn't this story deserve our full attention and response? Now, I don't want to get ahead of Ryan next week when he talks about how we should respond. But as we wrap up, let me challenge you in this way. As you go about this busy holiday season, as you see Christmas decorations out and about everywhere, whether it's a Christmas tree, stockings on your mantle, or even Santa Claus at the mall, I want you to observe the colors. And when you see red, be reminded of the crimson stain that we all have due to our sinful nature and of Christ's blood that was shed so that we may be redeemed. When you see white, whether it's on the the trim of Santa's suit or, Lord willing, on the snow on Christmas morning, be reminded that we too are washed white as snow. When you see the color green, especially on the tree, be reminded of the eternal life we all receive when we enter into a redeeming relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you see gold, Be reminded that our Redeemer, the very one who came to this earth as a baby boy, is none other than the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, who loves you so much that he came into this world to die so that we may be made perfect in him. This is what Christmas is about. You know, no matter what the world does with the Christmas season, we who know him know better. We are responsible for how we celebrate this birth of Christ. In some ways, with the world being so far off from the true meaning of Christmas, it allows us the opportunity to be truly different and to show what the true meaning of Christmas is as we go about celebrating the greatest gift the world has ever seen. And we should never let that depart from our thoughts. For we have been redeemed, rescued by the one and only gift that will ever matter for our eternal future. This baby boy, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray that you forgive us for not reminding ourselves the price that was paid on our half on our behalf. I pray that 
we can do better, Lord, in remembering the cost involved in your son leaving your side, coming into this world as a little baby boy to live 33 years here in this broken world, to go through temptation and pain and sorrow and even death, but that we can be reminded that that was done on our behalf so that we too could be redeemed, Father. We love you and appreciate you and just so thankful that you're willing to make these sacrifices on our behalf. Through your son's beautiful name we pray. Amen.